0: Let's talk shop. It's time for Retail Matters. Welcome to the retail edition of the Run Matters podcast powered by Skechers Performance. Mark and I were really excited to speak with Colin Petty from Marathon Sports up in Boston. And be sure to stick around for the end of the conversation where we added some behind the scenes between Mark, Colin, and myself. Colin, welcome to the Run Matters Podcast.
1: Nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Colin, you have gone from rather humble beginnings up there in Boston to the point where you have 18 stores. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started and how you ended up uh, you know, with this 18-store uh, empire up there?
1: Sure. Um, the company really started as a vision. I started as a sports therapist. I practiced muscle therapy in the back of the original Cambridge store in um, just outside of harvard square and it was that was 1990 90 about um i started working at uh, that store in in 1988. prior to that i would started working at ragged mountain running store in charlottesville in uh, 1981 under the auspices of, of mark and cynthia lorenzoni and that was a great experience many years later um having run um in college i was fortunate enough to be a division one Uh, All-American there, and uh, hit the road circuit shortly thereafter I graduated. And like many runners, got injured um, quite a bit. And I was in pursuit of understanding why I had some issues. In particular, I ruptured my iliotibial band. And so I went back to school and uh, became a muscle therapist, realized that uh, there was more to it than that. And uh, in my studies, I realized that uh, I wasn't wearing the right running shoes. It was plain and simple. I was wearing a straight lasted shoe and I'm slightly um, bow-legged and my knees weren't tracking properly, and it caused a lot of um, stress on my lateral uh, my left IT band, which uh, eventually gave way. so the the opportunity came up to to um, purchase marathon sports when it was just a small little store in Cambridge. And upon um, purchasing the store and at the same time continuing my therapy practice, I realized very quickly, I put two and two together, that um, the reason why I got hurt wasn't because of my innate skill, um, my passion for the sport, but because I was simply wearing the wrong shoes. And uh, it was then in 1992 that um, we started and and really formulated the, the foot and biomechanical analysis, which is called the right fit.
2: You guys up in uh, at Marathon were one of the first stores to really get into the whole gait analysis. You were way ahead of your time back then.
1: I believe so. I didn't do any research to find out who else was doing it. What I did realize was that the foot in motion acts very differently than the foot in a static position. And at that time, the wet test was the common denominator in determining what your foot type was and therefore what shoe you should be wearing. So we took a very dynamic approach to it. And it was immensely successful. As a muscle therapist, I was only able to impact one client at a time. Here, we were able to really just, everyone that came in was amazed at what we were doing and and our business just exploded.
2: Right. So you mentioned a wet test. Some of our listeners may not know what that is. Could you explain that a little bit?
1: If you come in out of a shower and you step on, say, a cement surface, you can see the outline of your foot and how much arch your foot has or if your foot's flat. You can tell that your foot's flat.
0: Just out of curiosity, what sort of technology have you moved to now for gait analysis? I know there's a number of different tools that are out there. Um, at the last running event, I know I, you know, I jumped on a couple of them. That's a
1: great question. Early on, we had uh, treadmills in our stores to to help us determine from uh, um, from behind what what the customer looked like when they're running the treadmill. But we realized pretty soon, pretty quickly that not many people run on a treadmill, and asking someone to run on a treadmill when they're elevated in a store setting makes them very uncomfortable. And the treadmill is uh, – you tend to be more four-foot weight-bearing, and it doesn't give a true indication of what's going on. So we have our runners go outside, and we watch them um, up, run up and down the sidewalk. Now we are using foot scanning technology to help us uh, engage and provide – Honestly, a little bit of retail theater to the customer. They like the technology. And it takes the subjectivity out of understanding what someone's size is with their foot. Many of us have one foot that's larger than another. So, And we continue to work with various um, vendors on enhancing that technology, looking at what next generation is going to look like.
0: Colin, as you know, we've spoken to uh, Chris Farley from uh, Pacers Running in the D.C. area and also Justin Craig from Detroit. And, you know, they're both uh, using some different types of virtual fitting and virtual scanning techniques. But how has the pandemic uh, situation, you know, affected that sort of type of operation in terms of, you know, the level of service that you can provide and what you do for your customers?
1: When the pandemic started, one of our greatest assets and tools was taken away from us, and that is... Making the connection, creating experiences, and building relationships with our customers and community, and we needed to continue to stay engaged and be different. And we came up um, with a very viable um, virtual fitting process that was immensely successful right out of the gate. I mean, we were we were fitting just right out of the gate over a hundred people a week wow. with the virtual fitting, So we had to schedule that out. Um, um, my team put together the right technology um, partners to make all that happen and keep it simple so it was a very effective tool and that continues today and we'll continue that going forward. Colin can you share some of that technology or is it sort of proprietary it's not proprietary um, I'm not the one who put it together I, I um, hire people that are smarter than myself to do that sort of thing so I know that it has been effective and it uses some very basic tools and it meshes together well with, with, um, our abilities here.
2: Super interesting to hear about how you started and, and how you evolved the business Mm -hmm. you've gone from just those couple of stores in Boston to you have 18 stores that you own now. Is that, is that accurate?
1: It is accurate.
2: What's your business philosophy that allows you to run those, those 18 stores and, and provide similar levels of experience and customer experience in all those different stores?
1: As a business owner, and like a lot of running store owners, I started out as a technician. I was a runner. I had injuries. And I knew about running shoes, but I didn't really know how to run a business. I think one of the greatest influences I had was when I read E-Myth, which really broke down how to put together a business plan and, and look at structuring the business. And they were foundational aspects, and it really resonated and allowed me to Understand how things need to work to build a business. Um, What is your marketing strategy? What is your um, personnel strategy? What is your technology strategy? And with that, I felt more comfortable taking the plunge and opening more stores. And we had to. Um, Cambridge was getting just too busy and the customer experience was being eroded. And we kept opening subsequent stores and they kept getting busier and busier. So we expanded organically. Um we've never really had to borrow money to expand. We just wanted to happen to have it wow. happen naturally and it wasn't forced. And it's just been a wonderful, wonderful ride. Boston is such a unique market because there are so many colleges and
0: universities that are within such a short kind of radius or even you know within the confines of the city. Do you think you've been able to really benefit from
1: that? Absolutely. Yeah when if you're in a more rural area it's hard to find qualified people to work for your company in boston there's 65 institutions of higher learning within 20 miles of boston and within boston so uh, we always have very motivated um, qualified applicants to work in the stores they speak the language of running they come from similar backgrounds um, they believe in the opportunity and the possibility of running. So they're in line with our, with our culture and what we stand for in the community. I know that you and Mark have a longstanding relationship and Mark's mentioned
0: something about something called CER, which I think is this internal philosophy that you'd like to kind of use. Can you tell us a little bit about what that's all about?
1: We believe that our business will survive going forward as long as we understand how to continue making connections, creating experiences, and building relationships, um, both with our internal team and the runners and the running community that visit our stores. For that to happen on the outside, it has to happen on the inside. We have to be able to be aligned in our thought process, in our vision, in our mission and purpose as a company. And with that understanding, we, we a couple of years ago, we went and redid we all those factors that are very important, so it's all in alignment. We can see that we all speak the same language. Um, that was extremely important for us to, and in, in, in moving forward, on the outside, um, and in today we we have we have that toolbox we call CER. But the tools which we use today are different than they were five years ago, even a year ago, from the virtual fitting um, that we do to any other mediums that that are constantly evolving Um, we have to adapt but we also have to evolve and we need to be where our customers want us to be where when and how they want their services and product
2: so colin one of the ways where you've adapted is you have become one of the leading specialty stores selling product online can you tell us a little bit how that evolved and where you're at now with it
1: we realized that we needed to really um be uh, as I just mentioned. Be available to the customer when, where, and how they wanted us to be. So we've chosen to be as best we can in three silos of our business: in brick and mortar, in dot com, and in our three P business, which is done with with Amazon, otherwise known as FBA business. So, with that understanding, each one of those takes a um, a different tact and how how we need to approach it. If I approach dot com like I did brick and mortar, it wouldn't work. And likewise with 3P business. So the goals are the same, but the models which we use, the tools which we use to achieve that success in each area, in each silo, are very different. So we're diversified. If it's a blizzard here you know, January in January in, in Boston, we're still selling shoes. We're still connecting and creating experiences and building relationships with our runners, whether they're local or across the country.
0: Colin, have you found that the pandemic has accelerated your dot-com business
1: or accelerated your dot-com plans? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. We started this journey about nine or 10 years ago in dot-com. So we had a lot of experience going into it. It just, And some of that infrastructure, we were able to make mistakes when we were small, so they weren't expensive. And that was the key to us is you learn by making mistakes. And we don't mind making mistakes as long as we learn from them and don't repeat them and they're not too expensive. So we had the platform, but we expanded that. We expanded our team. So our team went from nine individuals that are, that's all they do is digital business. Now it's about 16 people that are dedicated to our our digital business.
0: Yeah. You know, the pandemic really has created a unique environment for the specialty running retailers, especially um you know as we talk to more and more of them we're finding that they have been able to accelerate their plans in some cases you know 2 and 3 years ahead of where they thought they were being sounds like you were were really prepared for that situation not knowing about it but just were prepared for it
1: yeah we were very fortunate to be in that position we didn't have to start from scratch there we already had the um the third party software that was necessary to make things work Different than what Chris Farley did with, uh, has done with Pacers, they use Fitted. Well, we do everything homegrown on our end from scratch. It's a lot of work there. We have to input SKUs and UPC codes and everything else. But it's more organic, and we can present the product the way that we want to in that, in that way. Now, there are benefits to it. Um, there are cons to it. But we found our way, and we're constantly learning and reading, reading about how we can do it better.
2: Colin, when you think about running in Boston, obviously you think about the Boston Marathon and some of our listeners who maybe have never been to your store don't realize that your your main store on Boylston Street is is right. How far are you from the finish line of Boston?
1: I don't know. Uh, maybe 10 yards.
2: Yeah. I was going to say 20, but it's probably more 10 like 10 yards. 10 yards. Yeah. So can you talk about the role that that Race plays in the Boston community and and the role it plays in your business every year.
1: oh, it, it's fantastic. It's a reset every single year. There's so much excitement, really starting in September, October with the charities that are involved with the Boston Athletic Association, and there are many. and there's clinics, workshops, coaches to talk to. and it just we're all gearing towards that great day in in April. and it's just a buildup. It's tremendous excitement and it allows us to get through those fall and winter months which are so tough and uh, to see those runners out there when it's 10 below zero and you know there it's the first time ever running a marathon it's on their bucket list so the excitement around that event is is, is, every day is just exceptional.
0: Colin let's switch gears a little bit Uh, we have had Meb on the show and when Mark and I were talking to Meb about the Boston Marathon and, of course, the uh, horrible terrorist attack that took place there. You know, Meb got very emotional. Yeah. And he really, you know, he really says every time he thinks about it, he cries. Can you share a little bit with with us about how you felt on that day and maybe some of the things? And, and I don't mean to maybe go in, you know, to anything that might be kind of difficult emotionally, but, you know, I'd love to hear about it.
1: You yeah, know that's, that's a good question. It is emotional for me as well. Um, I know exactly where I was when I was when I heard about what happened. I was with my son down in Boston from maybe eight thirty to twelve thirty, and had left and promised him I'd go to Dick's Sporting Goods and to buy him a baseball club. And we were in a gas station, and and I heard the news and. My first instinct and reaction was to to drive as fast as I could down to boston it's the first time that I've ever passed a police car with blue lights on on the mass pike i i you know I hit triple digit speeds there. I pulled my truck onto to Commonwealth Avenue on the green strip there, and there was my team um, so it was extremely emotional I mean Boston is uh right there at the epicenter it's our baby um, you know it's our flagship store. I was so concerned about our staff and our manager down there. And that's the first thing that came to mind is, are they okay? And then the rest of the runners and the runners community and the running community. And it was emotional. Um, It it was very tough. I I can tell you it was very tough.
2: So you guys, you and your team were, were heroes that day. Uh, you helped some of the injured spectators, and and your store really became a, a triage center.
1: It it was it was, and there were some heroes there. And, and, and Shane O'Hara, um, our, our Boston store manager at the time, was just incredible. What was interesting with that whole I couldn't get into the store for three or four days after it happened, and finally, a police officer let me into the store, and it was just as it was when when as they left it with all the carnage there and it was quite something and it it allowed a lot of reflection and just how fortunate my i was with my son but the rest of our team that we did not suffer any injuries but the just the the mix of emotions was was overwhelming and that's what running does for us it helps us in mind body and spirit to overcome the challenges that uh, we have in life whether we're running from something or running to something there's so many different ways to to package running in a meaningful way that allows us to endure and get through the most difficult of times and the best of times.
2: I think the country adopted Boston after, uh, after the bombing. And uh, Boston Strong, that expression, I think, became uh, uh, a rallying cry for so many people. And you have a story I know that uh, the Boston Red Sox went, became America's team and went on to win the World Series. And tell us about what happened with the Red Sox and the parade. And I, I know you got a special memento from them.
1: Yeah, that was something special. The Red Sox organization called called me a, um, a couple of days before the parade. I, I recall, I think the Red Sox went from worst to first. Um, something like that. And it was the most miraculous comeback ever. And they wanted to present something to me at the finish line of the Boston Marathon. They didn't tell me what it was. There were uh, literally um, hundreds of thousands of people down there. They invited me to the center of Boylston Street there. It was emotional. And I realized that the person that really should have been there was Shane O'Hara, my manager. I literally told the, um, the crew there that I won't stand out here without my manager by my side. And they halted things for about five minutes. I mean, the whole thing just stopped. While I searched out for my manager, he was pretty shy. He came out there, and it was amazing. And they handed us a, a Red Sox jersey. Oh wow! For that special occasion, and and for the winning the World Championships, that jersey still hangs today uh, behind the cash wrap in Boston.
0: We just so happened to be recording uh, today's interview on Veterans Day. Oh, wow. And coincidentally, I was speaking to a friend who is a veteran. In fact, he spent 11 years in the Navy. And I let him know, I said, you know, how much I admire him for being able to, you know, do something that was bigger than himself. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, we look inwards a lot, but we don't look outwards at the bigger picture. But it seems like you going through this situation with the Boston Marathon and the Bombing event has really allowed you to kind of see the bigger picture and understand, you know, what it means to see the bigger picture. Um, you know, is that kind of an accurate way of looking at things?
1: I would say so. I, I you know, I, I think that I went more from an in in inward outward in, in person. I look at things from the outside and then look at how i need to act behave and 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 look at things as a a leader not only in marathon sports but in many ways here in boston as the place to go for inspiration opportunity and the possibility of running and my role is to to give um our employees of which we have over 150 all the tools necessary to to be able to do the same Um, and and so, you know, any employee that works for Marathon Sports or any organization wants to be challenged. They want to be acknowledged for the hard work and they want to know they're making a difference. And boy, they made a difference that day in Boston and they continue to make a difference each and every day through this pandemic that we're in right now.
0: Colin, what do you what do you see happening for the future of specialty running? I know we switched gears a little bit. It might seem like a little bit of whiplash because we have been, you know, we talked about, you know, we move moved from the Boston Marathon, but you know, I, what do you see happening for the specialty running category specifically, you know, down the road next year and maybe two years from
1: now, post pandemic? From the discussions I've had with my vendors and my peers, and I connect with my peers on a monthly basis to talk about such topics, we think that the future looks very bright. There is a, a great deal of concern over what the next five months are going to look like. And we feel that if we can get through those next five months, that we are going to be in a great position. Um, and that's going to be a lot due to attrition. There are not going to be a lot of businesses out there that engage with the community and, the, and, the, and their customer base as well as Running Specialty does. We do charity events. We, do, we organize training runs. We, there's so many things that we do. I don't think there's a channel that works as hard as Running Specialty to create the opportunity and the possibility of running uh, and walking to the community, we just—they go above and beyond, um, and they—it's just amazing. So I think if we can get through these next five months, that we're going to really just flourish. I mean, it's human nature to want to connect and build a relationship with someone to share an experience. They—you know—people don't want to sit behind a desk all day and stay at home all all day. They want to get out and they want to—they want to live life, and and we're going to help them do that.
0: Colin, one of the things we've been we've been doing on the on the show is that we've been tracking, uh, you know, through some of the data that's out there, that there's been an increase in the number of runners uh, actually during the pandemic. Yeah. You know, for a number of reasons. Number one, it was an easy way to, you know, continue to exercise in a socially distanced environment. It got people out of the house, but we're also seeing a lot of new walkers. Yes. Yeah. That are, are you experiencing that at marathon up in uh, the New England area?
1: We're we seeing an increase in the in 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 walkers and runners. The challenge is that here in Massachusetts, we are very limited by how much traffic we can have in the stores. We have fitting stations, and some stores have more space than others. But there's still a very reluctant population out there that does not want to come into uh, contact with with retail. and. Combine that with the safety of our employees, top of mind, and the customers that visit, uh, we haven't seen as much as we'd like from that because of the current um, challenges and the restrictions that have been put in place. So we haven't seen the full benefit of that. Um, I know that Chris mentioned that his stores were down about 20% since um, the pandemic. We're, we're down about 35% since, the, um, since January 1st because we were closed for for uh, 12 weeks during our busiest time of year with the wow. Boston Marathon. Right. So, um, but we do see the light at the end of the tunnel and we are going to do everything we can to get through the other side of, of winter.
0: Do they think they're going to be able to hold the Boston Marathon in April or what do you? what's your, uh, do you want to lay a prediction on that one?
1: They've already... They've already put it off. It's not going to happen in
0: April. It's going to happen in the fall. It's actually probably not a bad decision, just kind of given what we're hearing with timetable with vaccines and some of the treatments and things. So, you know,
1: maybe the fall, it might work. I, well, I certainly hope so. It's an institution into onto itself. And there's, there's a lot of meaning behind the Boston Marathon. And um, I know they'll figure out a way to, to make that work. It's unfortunate for us because we won't have all that excitement going into the spring. But uh, we're going to reinvent ourselves, continue to evolve, and and um, we're going to be okay.
0: When we get the green light and the pandemic has finally, the curve's been pushed down and You know, things seem a little bit more optimistic and a little brighter. What's the first thing Colin Petty's going to do when we're let loose from the situation?
1: Well, we have staff that, and one of the most challenging things for our company is we have staff that are working remotely. We have staff that are working in the office here. We can't run our business in its traditional way, and it's very hard because a lot of it has to do with emotions. And this is the the challenge to any culture you have really people working remotely because of, of how they feel about the pandemic. And then there's some that are more comfortable. And so you're treating your employees differently based on something that's very important and based on their emotional understanding of what's going on there. And it's not up to me to determine what that is or should be, but I have to live with it. So that being said, the first thing that I'm going to do as a company, what we're going to do is we're going to get everybody together. I miss my team Incredibly, I, I've, I'm on Zoom calls all day, and um, we haven't been able to have experiences together to go out for dinner, to grab a beer, go for a run together, do all those social things that we normally do. And I think the, the plurality of our team really misses that. So we're just gonna we're gonna have a big bash and we're gonna give ourselves a big group hug.
0: You know, it's funny. I thought you were gonna answer. The first thing you wanted to do is you wanted to go to a Red Sox game.
1: No, that, no, it's all about team here. And um, there's, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of world championships uh, in the last couple of years here. So uh, for us, it's about team and engagement and uh, getting reacquainted with each other and getting back to some sense of normalcy. Well, Colin,
0: I want to thank you for coming on the run matters podcast powered by Skechers performance today. Um, You know, you're up in that Boston area and Boston is just you know, loaded with winners. And after our conversation with you today, it's very clear that Marathon Sports and their 18 stores are really poised to continue along with that winning tradition.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me today. We we believe we are. We, we uh, do what we can control and we understand what we can't. And it's that understanding that lets us go from the next day to the next week to the next month and hopefully into the spring. With a good mindset and and putting ourselves in a position to win
2: so Colin uh, I echo what Neil said really great to have you on the show appreciate your uh, your candor and your conversation give you a chance to plug your stores you have marathon sports in Boston your stores in Connecticut are soundrunner Yes, and then up in New Hampshire you own what's the name of the Runner's Alley. Runner's Alley in New Hampshire. So really, uh, 18 of the best stores in New England. And uh, everyone who's out there listening, if you have a chance to go into these stores, I think you'll have a great experience.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me today. It's very much appreciated.
0: I want to thank Colin for coming on the Run Matters podcast powered by Skechers Performance. Mark and I really enjoyed that conversation. It really built upon our theme of inspiration for Episode 3.
2: And clearly, we didn't want the conversation to end. And it didn't. Uh, after we were officially finished with Colin, we kept the tape rolling, and let's listen in on that uh, behind-the-scenes talk.
1: Did it go as well as you expected it to be?
2: Uh, uh, no, no, better. It went better than I expected. So that Colin,
0: I was really moved by a lot. I mean, I really wanted to get to the uh, stuff about the, you know, the post-bombing and and all that. I I knew it was going to be a little bit emotional. Um, you know, based on what Marcus told me. I mean, you and I have never met. But you know, based on what Mark told me, and um, yeah. you know I'm, I'm, you know I thought you expressed yourself incredibly well
1: well, thank you very much it was It was like the pandemic I mean back then, there was no playbook for that and um one of the things that has helped us get through the pandemic and got through then was great, great communication and 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 our team communicating every single day and then, like during the pandemic, we were connected every day and then we started going every every uh, three times a week, and now we're we're twice a week, and getting re- re-engaged with our stores, um, where our managers are really doing that, the heavy lifting and putting themselves in, in, in touch with the community.
0: During this pandemic, I have seen some people and 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 watched people and read about people and watched stories about people doing incredible things for their you know fellow Americans and fellow man and mm-hmm. and you know and to me there really is no limit in my opinion to what people are willing to do you know to help out their fellow human being or their fellow man and and i think situations like that you know unfortunately bring out the worst in some people but also bring out the best in some people
1: absolutely um it's it's not what you do when things are, are going great it's what you do when things are going bad or 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 challenging and there's so many metaphors for that in sport yes. Correct. I mean, we use the Patriots quite a, quite a few times as as examples of, uh, for example, going to training camp every single week, every every year, even though Tom Brady probably doesn't need to go to training camp, but he has to go to training camp to meet his new coaches, new, um, new players, learn new plays, and warm up and get his mind, his body, and spirit ready for the season. And it's not too different here running a business. Um, we have to engage and revisit things every single year and remind ourselves of what we stand for, our values, our principles, and it's why we have um, a yearly leadership summit with with our team. Um, and so we all get a chance to to present and and engage with our with our greater leadership team. And we invite um, and are sponsored by vendors to do that. Um, and it's just a great great opportunity and It sets the stage for the theme for the year so our theme in 2020 was culture building a culture of freedom responsibility and accountability and that's the biggest challenge in today's climate of work is if you want freedom you've got to be accountable to it and people sometimes confuse empathy with accountability uh, or sympathy with accountability, and you probably know what I'm talking about, especially with the younger generation. Absolutely, there's always a reason why something doesn't happen, or someone doesn't want to be measured, and uh, that's why we love the track metaphors. You you don't go run a workout and uh, and try to make the four by four team if you're not you don't have to stopwatch at your workout. You can't change what you can't measure. I study this stuff uh, inside and out, and I'm always way over the top with reading articles, any anything on the in the business side that's relevant.
2: Cool. Well, I think this came across really well, again, better than I expected. So I knew it was going to be good. It was better than good. Funny thing is we maybe get some
0: clips
1: out of what we just, you know, this little bit that we just talked about. I agree. There might be some things coming out of that too. And the next time that we connect, I'm looking forward to having some tea with you.
2: Uh, (laughs) Colin, I appreciate your discretion on on, uh, not telling that story. No brown liquor? Come on. (laughs) No, no. Colin and I are, uh, we're very specific in our beverage uh, choices, right, Colin?
0: yes right Uh, you need to you'll have to clue me in on that at some point in our our sweeteners sweeteners.
2: someday i will okay
0: thanks everybody mark and i really want to thank colin petty for coming on the run matters podcast it really does build on our theme of inspiration at the top of the show we wished everyone a happy holiday and i want to take that a little bit further again mark and i want to thank everyone that's been listening to the run matters podcast in 2020. Uh, wish them a good and happy holiday and hopefully a better year in 2021. But I would be remiss without thanking the members of our team. Of course, Mark and I, co-hosts, as well as Ashley Barrett, who is our contact at Skechers Performance. I'd also like to mention Laura Beachy and Rachel Cochran, who work at uh, Beachy Media and our media partners. And then most of all, I want to thank Brad Maybe. Brad is our producer and he really is the glue that holds the Run Matters podcast together.
2: So Neil, you're right. All those people make us, I'd normally say make us look good, but in this case, they make us sound good. And uh, I appreciate all their efforts. Coming up on episode four of the Run Matters podcast presented by Sketcher's Performance, we have a conversation with Kenny Sung from Gazelle Sports. Kenny is a super interesting guy who not only owns a terrific running store, but also owns a couple of restaurants in Michigan. So definitely look forward to that conversation. Amanda will be back and we will have an update on Amanda and her inspiring work with Neil. And then finally, a segment I'm really looking forward to and have been looking forward to since the uh, outset is we will talk with uh, Med Klofeski and Kurt Stockbridge from Sketches Performance. About how an athlete and a shoe developer work together to build shoes. So let me end by saying to everyone Happy New Year, Healthy New Year, Peaceful New Year. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Run Matters Podcast, brought to you by Skechers
1: Performance. Go like never before.